Pop 38, Superman, Batman, and movies that rock, and more. Right, Josh? That's right. Welcome back to Pop, your pop culture podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. And today we are joined by another fine podcaster. Sir, introduce yourself and the name of your show. Howdy, everybody. I'm Josh Fitzgerald, and I host the relatively new podcast called Movies That Rock. And it's pretty much, a, I call it a rock and roll journey through cinema. And I will review rock and roll movies, pop music movies, music movies in general. The only thing that I really don't do that isn't really in my umbrella is like Broadway musicals with but even there's some exceptions to that but um, pretty much you won't be seeing anything like Rodgers and Hammerstein or anything but yeah I, I review and talk about movies that rock rock and roll films rockumentaries concert films narrative films pretty much anything that falls under the the popular music umbrella and I have not seen as many as I would like to see so which is that was a big part of the reason why I decided to take this project and really hit the ground running with it so yeah that's what I do very good. Well, it's it's holiday seasons. Are you ready for the holidays? I'm as ready as I'm ever as I'm going to be. <laughs> I started early this year. I started earlier than usual. I, I'm usually it's about now, about two weeks before Christmas itself, where I start thinking about what I'm going to get people and I start putting up the decorations and everything. But this year, I actually was pretty much done and ready by December first, which never happens. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm not sure why. I just kind of wanted to get it all done and out, out of the way. So. Feeling motivated this year. Very good. How about yourself? Well, I'm, I'm doing okay. Actually, we have uh, a lot of stuff going on as far as the show. We've got a, mm-hmm. an entire five-day week of fun-size shows coming for the pop audience, which are all holiday-themed. Ooh, I cannot wait. That's going to be fun. So you, so you like the fun-size show? I love the fun-size show. I'm pretty good at it for the most part where there's been a couple instances where i've never heard of the particular artist <laughs> and so that was that was incredibly challenging but but i i do enjoy i get a big kick out of those very good i'm glad you like them we'll have to have you on the show sometime that would be awesome i'll, I'll have to come up with um somebody um off the beaten path very good i look forward to that now you know i i feel that I kind of put my audience through the paces as far as the pop show, right? Because you never know what you're mm-hmm. going to be getting from week to week. It might be an episode about Star Trek or Adam West or a fun size show or us talking about Neil Finn. Yeah, all four of things of which I'm very, which I love talking about. <laughs> very good. And I've loved all your episodes and all those topics. They were fun. Excellent. Glad. But I, I'm also I'm, I'm kind of wondering if if we're getting to the point where we should separate the fun size show from pop proper. What are your thoughts? Oh, I see what you mean. Hmm. Like, should it have its own feed at this point? I mean, we're at 26 yeah. episodes as of this recording. Well, I guess here's here's the dilemma, because you don't want to lose your you don't want to lose people who are there for one reason or the other. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to lose people listening to pop if you just do fun size shows you know what i mean right like it's good promotion for for the pop show but at the same time maybe for ease of access for people who are looking for those you know what i mean it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword yeah i'm actually thinking about building its own page just just for it like you know it's it's mm-hmm. own blog spot 
so that if I ever do make it its own feed, that way people can just go there and find just the fun size show, but they'll still mm-hmm. be in the pop feed proper. Gotcha. So, so let us know, you know, seriously, people that are on Facebook or on Twitter, you're the other side of this conversation. If you dig the shows, let, let us know your thoughts in, in the, the show notes for this episode. So please, I, mm. I, I really want your feedback because I want to make you guys, uh, you know, we, 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 we try to do something that's enjoyable and, uh, I just want to do it the best way that you guys think that it'll work. Mm-hmm. Of course, ultimately yeah, I, think... I gotta, I've gotta be me. <laughs> yeah. You got to do what works for you, you know? Absolutely. So today on the show, we're going to talk about movie revivals or when they bring a movie back to the movie theaters, like an anniversary showing. We're going to talk Mm -hmm. about who's better, Superman or Batman. (laughs) Just want to get your take on it. And we're going to talk about your show, Movies That Rock, the podcast. All right. Actually get into what that means. And then we're going to find out what's popping in your world, things that you dig, right? All right. All right. I'm I'm ready. Hit me, man. <laughs> they recently brought Superman the movie back to movie theaters. They and, did. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. And and to me that is really the first time that they got superheroes right on the big screen. Mhm. But there's many times when I watch it that it's like still a bit too saccharine, still a bit too nice, but you know what? That's Superman, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like you said, it's the first time that they really got it right on screen. I'm trying to think there weren't that many previous attempts on the big screen. I mean, the superheroes seemed like they were kind of a a small screen property, you know, prior to Superman, the movie, unless I'm just forgetting about other ones. But I think I can't really think of another one outside of like Batman, the movie with Adam West. But even that was kind of, um, you know from the, the the TV program. Right, right. And when you think about it, it it all starts back with radio because there were the Superman right, serials, right. the Batman serials, the Phantom, mm-hmm. Little Orphan Annie, <laughs> right, know, right, the Shadow, all of these things. And some of those things managed to work on television and some of that right. then later found its way into the movie theaters, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I think that it was the first time that it really clicked maybe it just got to the point where you could believe that a man could fly because that was one of the taglines on the poster right 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 you know it's funny i i was sad that i didn't get to see the um 40th anniversary screening of superman because i really really wanted to go i haven't seen it in a while but um i do i do have a lot of those memories from that movie because it was it was my first superhero movie i mean outside of you know the the adam west batman series but i think i i i came to superman that film before i even came to batman Hmm. and so i have i have some pretty i have some nice memories with that movie well superman really is the grandfather of all superheroes right i mean oh yeah 100 percent. it really boils down to that Mm -hmm. right now i'm going to turn it over to one of our good friends scott d parker the author extraordinaire himself and he recently went and viewed the 40th anniversary of Superman, the movie, and here is his review. All right.
Superman the Movie, A 40-Year Appreciation by Scott D. Parker. You've got me. Who's got you? Is this the best line in a superhero movie? 40 years on, when I think of Superman the Movie, this is the first thing that comes to mind, and the helicopter rescue sequence associated with it. I waited in rapt attention for this scene because it is likely the quintessential Superman moment. It did not disappoint last night. In fact, as the goosebumps rippled over my arms, I got a tad emotional. This was Superman. The tagline of the movie was, You'll believe a man could fly. Here's the thing with Christopher Reeves' performance. You'll believe he really is Superman. Maybe it was my 10-year-old self seeing this hero on the big screen for the first time. But of all the actors who have played Superman, Reeve is the one who made me believe it was actually a man from another planet who was also from Kansas. And it did it all with acting. No CGI, no special effects, just Reeve, in costume, changing his voice and posture, making you believe Clark Kent and Superman were different people. Speaking of Clark, Reeve sells himself as the bumbling country boy from Kansas to a T. I really loved his sly winks to himself when he catches the bullet or when he shows up as Clark in Lois's apartment after flying over the city with her as Superman. There's a reason Reeves's version of Clark is also probably the best out there. Although Henry Cavill, if given a chance, could have done it well. But again, he would be channeling Reeve too. Reeve and Margot Kidder exude chemistry. I really appreciate how she, in 1978, portrayed Lois Lane as a modern woman, a smoker, someone working in a newsroom which had been mostly a male's club for so long, but one who still needs a little help when she's hanging out of a helicopter. She's always out for the hustle, making sure she's on the front lines. The rooftop interview scene is so good. You even get Superman basically falling in love with Lois on screen. Heck, both of them. And he's not saving her from some giant robot. They're just talking and acting. Let's be honest. In this day and age, when you have lots of side projects on TV, how cool would it have been to have had a Lois Lane TV show with Margot Kidder? I'm not sure who made the call, actor or director or scriptwriter, but for my money, having Lex Luthor be humorous is genius. Yes, it's likely the product of the times, but Gene Hackman's portrayal of Luthor is probably the best. The only other one I truly enjoy is Clancy Brown's sinister version in Superman the Animated Series. But Hackman's Luthor is sinister in his own way. When he delivers the line, by causing the deaths of innocent people, you honestly believe it. I enjoyed seeing him make deductions and use his intelligence to figure out Superman's weakness. Lastly, in an age when every aspect of a franchise has its own backstory, I don't always need a backstory, but I would enjoy at least learning how Luther and Otis got together. 
Is Ned Beatty's Otis the only henchman in superhero movies who has his own theme song? It reminded me of the theme for Jabba the Hutt, which would arrive five years later. The music. John Williams was at the height of his powers in 1978. Star Wars and Close Encounters and Jaws were already under his belt. So were three Oscars. I haven't heard the entire score in so long that it came out of the speakers fresh and new. Look, I know his Star Wars theme, his Raiders of the Lost Ark theme, and his E.T. flying theme are all good and light and possible. But is it possible to hear the Superman march without a grin on your face? I don't think so. The Krypton music is eerie and otherworldly. The love theme is lush and romantic. And in sitting through the credits, listening to the music, I found myself awash in greatness. On the subject of Krypton, I was again reminded of the very 70s-ish nature of it all. I have a great fondness for 1970s science fiction films pre-Star Wars. The Krypton sequence fits perfectly in that pocket. Ditto for the flying sequence as Kal-El rockets off to Earth. Oh, and the training montage... As the opening credits rolled, I leaned over to my friend and said, Superman the movie hit the jackpot when it came to casting. Marlon Brando, of course. But Terrence Stamp, Glenn Ford, Jackie Cooper, Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, Valerie Perrine, and Susanna York. To say nothing about then-newcomers Reeve and Kidder. I can't think of a single character who needed to be recast. The first hour of the show is near perfection. We see Krypton, the trial and the banishment of Zod and Ursa and Nan, thus setting up Superman 2, and then the destruction of the planet. Now, 40 years later, as a parent myself, the longing and desperation of Jor-El and Lara sending baby Cal into the void with only the hope that he would be safe is very poignant. But the Smallville scenes, holy cow, those hit me hard. And those shots of Clark and Jonathan, his death, the funeral, and then Clark and his mother Martha out in the field, you honestly forget you're watching a superhero movie. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Alas, the movie is not without its flaws. With an additional 40 years of consuming stories, including writing my own, much of the latter half of the film feels disjointed. It would have been much better if there had been words on the screen like three weeks later or some such thing. As it is, the film comes off as an almost happening in the same day, which it doesn't, but unfortunately it kind of feels that way. But all of that is nitpicking, especially when you get the best of both worlds. You get to see Superman doing super things, helping the bus on the bridge, making sure the railroad doesn't derail, making a new dam. But then he turns back time, and it's all good. And with Luther's intelligence, you ever wondered if he figured out Superman changed time? Or did he merely realize his plans were foiled? Ditto for the other characters, too. But that's neither here nor there. They're just fun points to ponder. Forty years. Hard to believe, and yet... Not. I was 10 when I saw it in 1978. I'm nearly 50 now. Lots of life, lots of events, 
lots of other Superman stories, both in print and on screen. But this film remains a gold standard in superhero films, and Superman films in particular. I'm keen on finding and watching the Donner Cut of Superman 2. I've never seen it, but I've always enjoyed Superman 2. Superman the movie is that perfectly placed film and story that straddles two eras, the golden and silver age, and a little bit of the bronze age of the comics before the current era that we're in. It's like a love letter to all that came before. From the vantage point of 40 more years, its stature grows even more. Heck, as the credits rolled last night in the theater, applause erupted from the gathered few, young and old alike. We now live in a golden age of superhero films. There's nothing filmmakers cannot do when you couple their imagination with computer technology. Make no mistake, it's awesome when we get to see Cavill's version of Superman fly, or punch Zod, or slam into Doomsday. And I really enjoy the CW Superman as you see in Supergirl. And I watched Lois and Clark, loving it, mostly. Didn't watch Smallville. But I think we can all agree that when you think of a live-action Superman, one name comes to mind. Christopher Reeve. He was and is, and will forever be, Superman. He made me believe a man could fly in 1978. Forty years later, he still made me believe he's the best Superman. And despite its flaws, Superman the movie is the best version of a Superman on film. Thank you, Scott. We really appreciate it when you contribute to the show and just glad to have you aboard. So, Josh, what were your thoughts on Superman the movie? What did you think of it? Well, like I said, it's been a while. Um, One of the things that stands out with me always when I think about Superman is when I was when I was a kid, how terrified I was of the first like half hour of that movie. It scared the bejesus out of me just because of the. It was it was so weird and so dark and so mysterious and and um, the way that they portrayed Krypton was was very almost supernatural in a way and and like I've never forgotten not only that section of the movie but also just the way that it made me feel and how it kind of set the tone for the rest of not only just the, that particular Superman movie but the rest of the franchise and it was very very effectively done and I I think that also laid it groundwork for really all the superhero movies that followed because they're so directors seem to try and ground it in reality more so than just make it like, you know, a frothy superhero story. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of. The problem is, is that there's these modern films that are coming out mm-hmm. and I don't want to sound like an, back in my day when we had <laughs> Superman, he had his underwear on the outside of his clothes like it should be. It's <laughs> Yeah. But it's weird because, like, for example, right now, if, if if they wanted to make a new Superman, which they did within the last few years, mm-hmm. it's so dark and it's so depressing in many ways. And yeah. there are moments of hope, but they're so few and far between. Yeah. 
And in a way, I mean, I know that there was the, the Batman movies, and at one point there's this thing that he's the hero that Gotham deserves, right? Right. <laughs> yes. And sadly, this may be the Superman that we deserve right now because this is like if you did a focus group on mm-hmm. what they need to do with Superman, well, get rid of the underwear first off, make his costume <laughs> dark, and go from there. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with Henry Cavill. Right. And he's fantastic. The cast mm-hmm. is great. It's just like they forgot what Superman is about, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the, the Superman franchise progress into what it is now. It almost like I kind of think of it like if you if you compare our cultural landscape now to when, you know, even if you look back at like the 50s, the TV series in the 50s, how mm-hmm. – we seem to have become jaded at so much as a society that we even have to make our superheroes who are, have been our beacon of hope for so many decades, we even have to make them turn into pessimists right. in order to, you know, kind of reflect how we feel. Because, I mean, somebody like Superman, he was really – that was our hope from the, back in the – not that I was there. I mean, it's not like I was there. But, I mean, if you watch those shows, they definitely have that that kind of sensibility to them. Whereas now, I, I mean – we're so we're so divided in in our thinking and we're so even you know even people who how do I want to say this do you know what I mean like there's they're projecting a lot of negativity into um pop culture that really seems like it was never there before mm-hmm. pop culture has become become kind of a, a you know a fighting arena for people kind of trying to get their point across and it was never like that before you know what I mean if I have it right, it's almost like pop culture is now a mirror, whereas before it used to lead us. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's a very good way of saying it. Tarzan wasn't a ladies man He'd just come along and scoop him up under his arm like that Quick as a cat in the jungle But Clark Kent Now there was a real gent He would not be caught sitting around in no jungle scheme Dumb as an ape doing nothing Superman never made any money Saving the world from Solomon Grundy Sometimes I despair The world will never see another man Like him Hey Bob Soup had a straight job Even though he could have smashed through any bank in the United States He had the strength But he would not Folks said his family were all dead The planet crumbled but Superman he forced himself to kill 
carry on Get crept on and keep going Superman never made any money Saving the world from Sodom and Grundy And sometimes I despair The world will never see another man Like him Tarzan was king of the jungle And lord over all the apes But he could hardly string together Four words I Tarzan, you Sometimes when soup was stopping crimes I'll bet that he was tempted to just quit and turn his back on man Join Tarzan in the forest But he stayed in the city Kept on changing clothes and dirty old phone booths Till his work was through Then nothing to do but go on home Superman never made any money Saving the world from Sodom Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. And sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. And that was Superman's song by the Crash Test Dummies. I mean, when you think about it, Superman is an alien. Mm -hmm. He's also a comic book. He's also a hero. And I think that all of those things kind of get lost, right? They want Superman to be so human. Superman loves the human race. Superman wants to be one of us so badly. And in his heart, he is. But if they were to give me Superman... I would have Lex Luthor be similar to, oh, a really rich businessman that's against uh, aliens. Mm. Like, yeah. to me, that would work now. You know what I'm saying? That, right. That would now. be very, very, um, <laughs> that'd be very apropos for what's happening now, you know? Yeah. And it, you touched on something interesting there because, like you said, Superman, when all is said and done, Superman is not human. Mm-hmm. And in, in these attempts to humanize him, it, they seem a little bit misguided that way. It's weird because they they don't really seem comfortable, the modern filmmakers, with the fact that he's a small town boy from Kansas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he was raised on a farm and he has all these values, the traditional American values, if you will. Yeah. They don't want to keep that odd geez, odd shucks kind of thing going, but that's that's him. Even That's though this him. guy yeah. can fly to the sun and back, he's still blown away when he gets on the streets of Metropolis and looks up and sees the Daily Planet. He right. can circle that <laughs> building, but it's still something 
that the city looks up to. Mm -hmm. We look at Batman and we look at Superman and it seems like every character that's made it to the movie theater, whether it's the Fantastic Four or whatever, they try to shoehorn them into Batman. Ever since Batman Begins became really big and prior to that Mm -hmm. in the comic book, there was uh, Alan Moore's Watchmen and Frank Miller's Mm -hmm. Dark Knight. I hated the Watchmen, by the way. I thought that was a terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> See, I thought it was a great movie because it captured the book. In It's truly a, the, the graphic novel come to life in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's too true to its source. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's, what, maybe that's the issue I had with it. It didn't seem – it seemed to take not that many liberties but at the same time too many. It was very strange. <laughs> Well, here's the way I look at it is that Mm -hmm. Watchmen was made by a guy who didn't necessarily get the wink. Like Alan Moore had like a wink, even though he was deadly serious. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't think that Zack Snyder got the wink. I don't think he got the joke, even though it's very serious. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The whole idea of superheroes, whether it's dealing with their sexuality or whatever, because you know that's part of the story, right? They have to put the costume. Oh, yeah. Some of them have to put the costume on in order to feel good about themselves. I'll just put it that way. Absolutely. You know, it's it's, it's ab- absolutely perfection of, like, the drag culture, you know? Very much so. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. So ever since that happened in the comic books, the Watchmen and Dark Knight, it seemed like those guys, Alan Moore and Frank Miller, were like surgeons, right? Yeah. But everybody's trying to be dark and noir, but it's not done with the surgeon's hand. It's done with a chainsaw and a blunt hammer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they kind of wanted superman to be very confused and very upset and full of angst and stuff that batman has come to be known as but like when i was growing up batman had it all together he had the car he had (laughs) the cave he had catwoman chasing him this was great i wanted to be batman you know what i mean (laughs) but like when i watch any of these modern batman movies he's so depressed he's so sad and it, that you know, that's a that's a thing that kind of has gotten kind of frustrating about Batman. I mean, when I was younger, in its original incarnation, Batman was the superhero you wanted to be, and Superman was the superhero you wanted to have on your side. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily be, but you wanted him to rescue you. Well, because you couldn't be Superman, right? Exactly. Batman's whole trip was that he is a human being. Yep. who is the best at everything. He became the best at everything and does the best with what he has. He's a billionaire. Absolutely. Yep. I was just going to say his really his only superpower really is that he was born rich. Yeah. Like that's kind of it. <laughs> but that's not enough. He, he could have just stayed that way and, and been that. But he's a billionaire that goes out of his way to help people. He's worried right. about muggers on the street. Mm-hmm. And Superman is a guy who can fly around the world in a second but he's getting kittens out of trees and doing everything he can to keep people alive during a flood or what have Mm -hmm. you so it's weird not every superhero has to be batman and like i said i loved it when batman had it together and i wanted to be him you know what i'm saying like right and there's a lot of people that can't stand the fact that he has a robin because (laughs) i remember when i was a kid i always thought well i could never be batman but I could be Robin. I was all about Robin when I was a kid. Right. 
And that was like, you know, we went along with Robin. Like, Robin was our doorway into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what I wouldn't give to just to have that outfit for just like a day, you know. <laughs> now, are you talking about the one with the, the footies and the legs, bare legs? I, I sure am, yes. I think you could pull it <laughs> off. I couldn't. Not at all. No. Maybe this coming Halloween. You know, they say black is slimming, so Batman's been wearing a lot of black over the last 20 years. He's, he's He used to be blue and yeah. gray. Right. And now right. it's turned into black, black, black. Black, black. Right, because it's a, re- a reflection of his newfound depression. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have it together. <laughs> no. I don't want to be Batman. I wouldn't mind being a billionaire, no. but I don't want his problems. I, you know, I mean, the guy's messed up. So mm-hmm. they've, they've effectively kind of ruined Batman for me in some ways. You know, it's funny. I wonder if Batman now can be seen as like a reflection of our conservative culture, whereas Superman is now more reflective of our liberal culture. And in, in that way, you know, now everybody's trying to be Batman now that that side of the coin is, is sort of in power. I don't know. Just food for thought. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah.
was Superman by R.E.M. <laughs> Even Batman says about Superman, he's the best of us, right? Mm-hmm. So right yep. now, if you had to pick, who's who's a better role model, who's a better superhero, and who would you rather be? The, wait, those could be three separate answers. Right. So, okay, who's a better role model? Probably Superman. I mean, because he... He has. He's had to overcome so much more mm-hmm. to, to to get to where he is. I mean, Honestly, Superman's answer- parents got killed, but his entire mm-hmm. world was destroyed. Right, right. I mean, honestly, I think the answer to all three would probably be Superman for me. To be honest with you, okay. Why well, break <clears throat> um, it down each one of the three? Okay. Well, um, like I said, with the, is a better role model because he, I mean, like with everything he's had to overcome, everything that he's had to deal with. Um, it, and, and the way that he has, I feel like he has a, a more, I think it's, he has, has a bigger heart than, than Batman, to be honest with you. He's not as, because now that Batman has become this icon for angst, Sp- Superman, I think still has a, a bit of that hopefulness to him and i think that that's as a to be a good role model i think it's or i think it's an important quality to have um you know to 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 show that even through adversity you can still kind of end up being hopeful do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um as far and and for that reason i think i'd want to be him too uh, um i mean yeah it'd be great to have lots of money but i think also i don't know i never wanted to be that person who kind of is full of self-pity and self-loathing and self-doubt and, you know, and not really appreciating the riches that they've been given, which I kind of see Batman as. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I mean, Superman is, he's the quintessential superhero. So I, I think by default, that makes him a better superhero. He's, I mean, Batman, like I said, his superpower was just, is his status and, you know, his toys, really, whereas Superman is is a natural-born superhero. That's his identity. And I think that is really why he's just all around a better superhero. I also liked it when Batman was the Dark Knight detective when he relied on his wits Mm -hmm. and not armor. He could also speak complete sentences and not sound like Scooby-Doo, like, (laughs) you know, like, Joker, let me tell you something. What did you just say? (laughs) Right. That's true. Batman's a little too tortured right now to be my hero, even though I love him. He's my, he's still probably my favorite hero, but Mm -hmm. Superman is the kind of guy that I'd like to be. Yeah. I would, I could definitely co-sign with that. I got into Batman very very young and it's just it's he's definitely seemed to have the biggest me- metamorphosis of every of any superhero since his inception mm-hmm. do you think that superman can be saved oh yeah i do think that superman can be saved i think it would just take hope yeah it would take hope it would take some perseverance and it would take just a little bit of, 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 um, determination and passion. You know, I think people, I don't think people will give up on him. I, you know, like I, like we talked about, I'm a school teacher and still, even now, I mean, Spider-Man gets a lot of, you know, buzz now too, but really, I mean, the kids still talk about wanting to be Superman and Batman all the time. You know, those mm-hmm. are still kind of the two main 
the, the two guys, you know, and I think that he could really in the right hands. I think he could absolutely be saved. That's you said the magic words, the right hands, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. She's watching the taxi driver. He pulls away. She's been locked up inside her apartment a hundred days. She says, Yeah, you're still coming just a little bit late. He got stuck at the laundromat washing his cape. She's just watching the clowns roll by and they spell a name like Lois Lane. And she smiles all the way she smiles. She's talking to angels.
And that was Waiting for Superman by Daughtry. So we're still waiting ah, for Superman to show up. So <laughs> You'll get here someday. Yeah. Let's hope for the future, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'll tell you, anytime I come out of a movie, one, one of the things I can tell you about watching Superman, the motion picture, is that it, it mm-hmm. made me want to fly. Yeah. That's how a superhero movie should should make you feel. You want to tuck your mm-hmm. arm up, raise the other arm up in the air, and just take off. Yeah, that's very beautifully said. Here's the kinks with Wish I Could Fly Like Superman.
This is Caitlin Carlson of Be More Chill, and you are listening to Pop, a pop culture podcast. So let's talk about your podcast, Movies That Rock, the podcast. You describe it as a rock and roll journey through cinema. Absolutely right. The podcast that explores rock and roll and cinema with Josh Fitzgerald. Hey, that's you. That's me. Well, hi everyone. <laughs> so, so let's talk about movies that rock. Like, what okay. will be discussed, and some movies that will never be discussed. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't want to limit anything, really. Um, I there's I have like a hot list of like five ish movies that I for sure want to tackle. Mm-hmm. Some of them include Purple Rain, The Wall, um, Stop Making Sense. Gimme Shelter, Woodstock, those are kind of like the the big ones. Uh, the only one of that group that I've seen is Gimme Shelter. All mm. of the other ones I have never seen, which is really really sad. Um and that was a big reason that I wanted to do this is uh, you know, I'm such a film buff and I'm such a music nerd that there's really no excuse for me to not have seen a lot of these movies. So I'm figured I would document my journey in podcast form. So let's take a look at some of the movies you've done thus far as of this recording. Okay. Yellow Submarine. Okay. I did do Yellow Submarine. It's an animated movie featuring uh, quasi-beetles. Mm-hmm. And at <laughs> the very end, real ones. Yes, at the very end for about 45 seconds, the real beetles do make an appearance. Even and newer fun... and bluer meanies have been sighted within the vicinity. vicinity of this theater. <laughs> I've got a hole in my pocket. I've got a hole in my pocket. And I've got love. And I've got the motor. That's George. So there you go. Yes, that's right. <laughs> to me, that's the that's my favorite part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely delightful. And and the music and the music. Yeah. Now I understand they were talking about doing a CGI version of that. I'd be down with it. I don't know if I would be. I totally would be because it could be brighter. Because some of those colors, okay. some of the color schemes in that are mm-hmm. dark. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. Even if they did a brand new one and got better voices and kept the story mm-hmm. the same, you mm-hmm. still have the original. So I'm all for it. Yeah. Let's go for yeah, it. What do we true. got to lose, right? Yeah, I just I always worry that CGI is really just going to siphon all the personality out of it, you know? Because I to me as far as animation goes, the personality and the the real emotional connection lies in the in the human touched in the in the drawing of it you know what i mean yeah. and, and computers tend to be impersonal i dig that but two words toy story yeah that's fair that's up. true that's another up. word up sure yeah. you, if you didn't get sentimental during that montage where him and his wife oh i don't even want to talk about it i'm gonna choke up i know <laughs> the I know. first 10 minutes i'm getting like misty-eyed so like if pixar got a hold of the yellow submarine property mm-hmm. that would I'd be down. I would give it a shot. I would definitely be open-minded about it. I think the only thing Pixar is is definitely more story and plot driven unit, whereas Yell Submarine is essentially an art film. Right. You know, and I I don't know if those two worlds would mesh. So they would have to keep that part of it. Yeah. Which, hey, I mean, maybe they could pull that off with, you know, today's animation technology. Right. I would give it a try. Plus, you know, Apple's going to be all up in it, so. That's true. Anything they say goes. <laughs> yeah. And you've also done the, not just Mamma Mia, but the Mamma Mia saga. Saga. Oh, that was a, that was a 
experience. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'm going to start off by saying anybody who knows me at all knows how like I'm a deranged ABBA fan. I'm mm. like an off off the wall huge fan of ABBA. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Which I don't know. You can you can make your own judgments based on that, but I've just been a lifelong super fan. Uh, to me, they to me they easily like are up there with the top five, you know, songwriters and pop groups ever. Like I, they sit right up there with Backrack and David and and Lennon and McCartney and truly, like if you strip away the you know the 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 kitsch in the '70s and the camp, like there's some pretty you know timeless and and magnificent music that's that make up their catalog.
I mean, as far as the movies go, it, it's they broke my heart, particularly the first one broke my heart because you have these incredible songs and I don't want to give too much away. You can listen to the podcast, but you had these incredible songs and this insane cast performing these songs and the movie is just an absolute turkey. It really was just so devastatingly borderline unwatchable in places. The second one redeemed themselves a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. It's and it it breaks my heart also that those movies were a gateway for many people into the music of ABBA and the associations now that they have now with the movie is really just oof no no no. <laughs> mm. You also did the monkey's head. I sure did do the monkey. That was that was a really really fun time with Craig and Megan of the same page cast and they they are just an unbelievable wealth of knowledge and mm. and we love them. They're they're they are just the best. To and absolutely some of the kindest souls as well. Just wonderful, wonderful people. Agreed. You also did Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the Who's yes. Tommy, and Burlesque. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Talk about an, an eclectic mix of movies there. Exactly. Now I know that you've got to be doing Hard Days Night. You've got to be doing Help. You're going to do Kiss yeah. Meets the Phantom of the Park. I absolutely will do that one. Sergeant Pepper's, the the movie with uh, oh, Frampton with and the Bee Gees. Oh, I love it and hate it at the same time. Yeah, I, I want to. I'm trying to decide who I want to get to host for that because I know Craig and Megan have already done a, their own episode on that. Um, so I might want to find you know kind of a new voice, but I don't know who would be willing to give up two hours to watch that movie. <laughs> right. Well, here's the beauty of it: you could do it a few times, like once a year our annual Sergeant Peppers, oh. you know, and you could have different people, right? Oh, I like that. Yeah. So and it just celebrated its 40th anniversary. There, that was another movie that was just in the theaters for its 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. It's really cool that they can do that. <laughs> I love it. So give me an idea of movies that don't rock. Hmm. Um, I guess really the only... The only tipping point, I suppose, is is when you get into the world of musicals and Broadway musicals. Um, there's a lot more now that are are more rock and roll. I guess really, I the umbrella that I'm looking at is rock and roll and popular music. So, if you're looking at it, like Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a movie that I covered. It's technically a Broadway musical, but it's rock and roll. Whereas at the same time, I wouldn't want to cover something like. Um, um, like if they ever made a movie of Wicked or something like that, I wouldn't consider mm-hmm. that rock. Unless because it it's really unless it rocked, I suppose that's true. I guess the word rock I used more in like a musical sense rather than just like yeah, this rocks, it's great. You know what I mean? I've got a, a thing to say about that. There was okay. a girl that I used to work with named Shannon, and she would drive me crazy with that. This was around the time that the word rock became a way to describe things. Mm-hmm. And she would say, this grilled cheese sandwich really rocks. <laughs> and I said, you have no idea what rock means. <laughs> <laughs> it's never in reference to a grilled cheese sandwich, nor should it ever be. Having said that, I've had some pretty fucking good grilled cheese sandwiches in my life. Oh, yeah. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Not not to take away from a grilled cheese sandwich, but, you know. So, like, 
Purple Rain, that's a movie that rocks. What about Grease? I mean, it's so much in pop culture. To... Yeah. Yeah, I would consider that. I mean, it's I mean, they play the songs on the radio every single day. Mhm. It's it's in the zeitgeist. It's I would definitely consider that a movie that that rocks. Even something like Rocky Horror, I think, would would qualify. Well, that's really a rock musical. So, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know. Mhm. It's really built around rock and roll, so Yeah, for sure. And even just its attitude, you know, it's it's very, you know, it's spirit, the spirit of rebellion and, um, you know, individuality also screams rock and roll. Thank you. 
picture show in the back row. You know, one of the weird things about Rocky Horror Picture Show is I remember going to see it at the theater, and before I could see it, I had, like, the, the, the album and the, the cards, you know, to try to put mm. it all together. What's happening in this? You know, how what happens in this, and what scene is this, and all of that oh, stuff. So, so in my head, it was it was all, you know, kind of done in my mind, right? Yeah. The the weird thing about Rocky Horror is it really is something that you have to experience with other Rocky Horror fans, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I absolutely agree. I remember loving that and it being like a weekly thing for the longest time. And, we, you know, it would show for a while and they'd take it away and then it would stay for years at a certain place. Mm-hmm. But I remember when it came out on videotape mm-hmm. and I put myself down as the first person to rent it. The woman called Barb up at the video store. Barb up at the video store. She <laughs> called me and said, it's in. And I was there. Boom. Took it home. And I sat and watched it by myself. And it was such a drag. I Oh, yes. <laughs> compared to what was going on in the theater. Nobody was throwing toast, thank God, because I don't want to clean that up. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I have the I had the exact same experience with that movie. I never ever liked it. What when I was younger, I'm like, why? What do people see in this movie? It's so weird and stupid, and I just didn't get it until finally I went with a group of friends to a midnight showing, and then that's all it took. I'm like, okay, now I see. So you were like <laughs> backwards with it. Yeah, yeah, I was backwards with it. So, like, your experience was not seeing it with a live audience. Your experience was first seeing it, like, in your bedroom or living room on TV. Yeah, it was on it was on VH1 or something like that in my bedroom. And you're like, going, did they cut it? Cut this to shit? What? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which they may have. I don't know. Right. Commercials didn't help. <laughs> well, you know, it's it wouldn't be. A podcast without an appearance from the Podfather. Mm, you are absolutely right. So we'll have so to figure I, out something to do sometime. Absolutely. I mean, we could we could do more than one. We can do any any time you want. Just drop me a line, and I'm ready. Well, thank it's just, you very as long much. as I have time to actually watch the movie if I haven't seen it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and, and where can people find your show to listen to it? I I, I know you're on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are found, but where, yep. where, where can they find you? Yep. Movies that rock. You can find me on iTunes. You can find me on Spotify and on, um, on Pippa at Twitter at rock movies pod. And my email address is movies at rock pod at gmail.com. Very good. We want to thank you for dropping by the pop headquarters here. Yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation. This was a blast. Glad you enjoyed it. So we'll see you all in the next episode of Pop, your pop culture podcast. And Courtney will be back on the next episode of Pop as well. And lots of fun holiday-themed fun size shows headed your way. Thank you for listening. We'll see you. Say see ya, Josh. See ya, Josh. Bye, everybody. And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. 
Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolfe, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick. <laughs>